Well, I want you to get your Bible with me. I want to go to the book of uh, of Matthew this morning. We're going to look at uh, the first two chapters. Last week, the Lord uh, put a word in my heart for you to declare to you. I, and I, I, I really believe I'm speaking prophetically to this house. And I hope that you have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. I believe to us, I don't know about everywhere, but I, I've got a responsibility to hear. So I'm doing my best to hear what God is saying for this house. A few moments, the kids are going to come back. I've asked them to join me again. They're going to come back because I believe, as the Lord spoke to us last week, that our future is bright. I'm not just talking about Christ Church. I'm talking about our land. I'm talking about our future as the body of Christ, as the church. I, I prefaced that last week to say, if you are a child of God, or if you're in the body of Christ, if you're a part of his church, I mean really sold out to him. I'm declaring to you, no matter what comes on the land, our future is bright. I thought that my series would end last week. I really did. But Monday morning when I walked into this auditorium, God began to speak to me again. And this is what he said. The heart for the house is the hope of our future. Now I want you to really hear that. The heart for the house is the hope for the future. You realize that every movement, thank you Tom, I appreciate you being up here. Give Tom and this team a big hand this morning, would you? I could keep, I forget about them back there and their fingers get numb, so they just keep doing. Uh, I, I want you to think about something for a moment. Every decision, every movement we make is impacting something. Every one of them. Every decision you make, from how you got up this morning, if you got up on the wrong side of the bed or you got up grumpy, you had to make a decision. I can live this way the rest of my day and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to make everybody grumpy around me. Every decision you and I make just doesn't affect us. It just doesn't affect the moment, but it can affect the rest of the day and it can affect everything around me. Every decision we make as a church from this moment is going to have an impact upon the future in some form or some fashion. I believe that with all of my heart. Moms and dads, I don't know what you saw up here a while ago. I think it's wonderful when our children are able to come out and we love it when they perform. I love seeing my little Maverick stand up here even when he didn't know what to do. I, that You know, it just grabs your heart. It thrills your heart. But I got news for you. That's more than just my grandson. That's more than just your children. That is the move of God presently and in our future. You better hear that. Because what you and I need to understand this morning, God is a God that moves generationally. I've learned this about God, or I see it more and more, that everything that God does, He does through the generations. Hope for the house, our heart for the house, is our hope for our future. Not only for mine, not only for you, but for our community. Everything that we're doing. Isn't it interesting in Matthew chapter 1? Let's just turn there. You can kind of open it up. I'm not going to hit every one of these verses. 
But it's interesting to me that it starts out with genealogy. In verse 1, it says, in the book of the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now we're kind of from present at that moment. We're walking backwards and he goes back to the covenant that he made that was made with Abraham. That I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your seed after you even though you don't have any children. The word genealogy there means the generation of, and it would actually say it like this, the book of the generation of Jesus. So everything that God does, go back to Adam. Think about this for a moment. God created Adam. I don't know how this is going to unfold. I'm just giving it to you as Holy Spirit's put in my heart. Go to the very beginning. You don't have to turn there. But in Genesis 1, God takes a man and a woman and he blesses them. And he says, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion and replenish the earth. You mean to tell me that Adam and Eve was going to have at their present time of life that they were going to bring forth every child that would be upon the planet? No, it started with them, but through them as they would have children and they would hand it off to that group of people or to the next generation and every generation has to grab hold of your responsibility for your generation. That's to every one of us. I've got a responsibility. I love what the scripture says about David. And David served his generation. He fulfilled the purpose of God. And God said he was a man after his own heart. And he fulfilled the purpose of the Lord. So here we find through the scripture that Adam and Eve started. And now we all go back. If you want to know something, we may be of different color, of different nationality in this room. But here's the reality. We all go back to Adam. We're all one big family in here. But I wasn't born in Adam's day. I was born in my day. Born 1958. I don't know how many years I've got upon this planet. I hope about 150. But no matter what, I'm here to serve my generation. So we move on. I'm just going to give you some brief things. Isn't it interesting that God made covenant like this with Abram? I'm going to bless you. And he doesn't even have a child. And he said, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed by you. Wait a minute, all the nations of the earth. So God's speaking to a man presently, talking to him about the future, and he doesn't even have a child. So he says something like this, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. Now we know that Abraham only had one son by covenant, and that would be Isaac. And God speaks the very same thing to Isaac, which name means laughter. So Isaac gets the same word that his father. Why? Because Isaac in his moment had to embrace the responsibility that was being handed towards them. Let me say it like that. Because so many times we have older ones feel like we're giving something away or we're giving up. We're no more value. No more. You, no, you're not giving up anything. What you are doing, you are pressing forward to move forward into the future. I love it when we look at pictures of where we've been in our grandkids and people, people will say, oh, that looks like you. And even though for a long time, of course, Sam has grown up, he's got tall, he's, but when he was just a little bitty, everybody would say, he looks like his papa. Everybody. 
He looks like his papa. But here's the reality. I don't care how much he grows, how old he gets, he's taking me with him. And my granddaughter my, and, and, and Maverick, even though his, his grandparents are of Indian and, and Mexican descent, they got a darker complexion. That's our other son up here, by the way, Barrage. If y'all didn't know that, that's, uh, what's her name? What's uh, Alexis's brother, <laughs> our family. But you know what? He's a part of our family. Now Maverick isn't just carrying us, he's carrying them. So we're handing, we're pressing into the future everything that we're doing. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We could go, as we've been speaking about David, God said to David, David, you're not going to build what I planned. You've done what I've asked you to do. Remember, David served his generation, but he said, your son Solomon is going to build the place that I need now. And we could keep moving on through the generations and seeing how God, oh, but even before David, you remember this story? In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, it talks about a man that had two wives and one of them, her womb was fruitful and the other wasn't. Her name was Hannah and she's watching her husband. She's watching, she's watching God do amazing things seeming like there because in that day and time, if you didn't have children, there was seemingly you were considered to be cursed. Why doesn't my womb produce? And she's begging and she's pleading and she's crying out unto the Lord. And she said, God, if you'll just give me a child, I'll give to you. I'll give him back to you to serve you all the days of his life. So here's what Hannah does. She keeps praying. She's daily in the temple and she's weeping and crying, God, I want to be fruitful. I want to be blessed. I want to walk God before you. I want a son. And here's what she did. God, you give me a child. I'll give you a prophet. One of the greatest prophets on the planet came from that young lady right there. And both of their names are mentioned in the Bible. And Samuel wouldn't have been able to be the man he is had it not been for that mother that was willing to stay before God. God, I believe you put something in me. I believe that you've called me to something greater than just being barren. And she's handed the son. So we go on and we could keep on. I love this passage in the book of Joel. Listen, listen, church. Maybe we've got a little bit focus off, a little bit different, but, but hang on with me. What did Joel prophesy that would happen in the last days? He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and upon your sons and your daughters. They will prophesy and they're going to do great things for me. He said, I'm going to pour it out upon all flesh. He said, your old men are going to dream dreams. Young men are going to see visions. Your sons and daughters, the handmaidens, they're all going to be a part of this. The last thing that's spoken in the last book of the Bible, of the book of Malachi, is this. I'm going to turn the heart of the father back to the children again, and the children back to the father. I wonder what that really means. Does that mean that children have been neglected and parents have been neglected? No. I think we're going to begin to see the purpose of God like we have never seen it before in our responsibility towards our children. Maybe we're looking at everything a little bit wrong. Maybe we're looking at it even in our attempt to do what is right. Maybe we got this idea, and I know how we are as parents. I want a great future for my children. And that's what you want. That's what many of us in this room, and we're pushing into a 
system of this world to say, if we get the system of the world right, then our children will be right. May I tell you something? It don't work that way. And I think we've got it backwards. I'm going to say something that may offend some of you. It's not intended to. God gave it to me in prayer. And as I was praying and I heard this, don't politicize my gospel. Don't politicize my gospel. Because we got this idea, if we just get everything in order, if we get the right people in the right offices, and I'm not saying it's not important, I'm not saying that we're not to do our due diligence, I'm not saying that righteous men and women shouldn't be in position in office, but when it becomes more powerful than the gospel, we've got it backwards. And the only thing that God said would change the earth was not a political system, but it's the kingdom of God. He said the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of His Christ. Hello? So we've got to start looking at everything maybe a tad differently and looking at our responsibilities all the way through. And it's going to require faith. Look at the next story in the scripture after the genealogy. I'm not going to read all these verses. I'll just tell it to you. <coughs> Are you all okay? Somebody smile at me. What helped me? I, I can see, all right? I, I see every one of you. So... So here's this young lady engaged to this Mary, I'm go- to this guy by the name of Joseph. I'm going to put it in our terms, okay? It's betrothed in the scripture, but basically it would mean she is engaged to him to be married. History shows us that this young lady would be somewhere between the age of 14 and 18 years of age. And this young man, it doesn't say how old Joseph is. I've not heard that. But here's what would have happened in that day. Now, my beautiful granddaughter sitting over here. I'm going to use you a minute, JC. She's 14 years of age. Can you imagine her uh, being a Mary, like Mary? Think about that. You're 14-year-old or you're 12-year-old, 13-year-old in that day. And so here comes this guy along. Maybe he owns, his family owns the field across the way and he looks at this beautiful young lady and he said, that's who I want for my wife. And, and so it's possibly that he would go and the two families would somehow meet together and they would, they would actually, he would express his heart that I want her to be mine. And, and so he said, this is what I'm willing to do. And so they would pay this price called a dowry or a bride price would have to be paid in order. And then once all of those agreements were being made, then he would go off and begin to build a place for her to come. So this has evidently happened already, that the agreement made between families has has been set in order. And Mary is just a young lady, maybe still doing the chores around the house, and she's thinking about all of these things Man, she's getting ready. How long is it going to be? Because it doesn't tell us how long or how long it will be before he comes back for her. She just knows I've already been pledged to this man. And an angel appears to her. He says, fear not, Mary, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. She said, don't be afraid for you found favor with the most high God. Can you imagine 
just out doing the chores, maybe out in the lawn, hanging up the laundry, whatever she was doing, and an angel appears, and he says something to her like that. That's actually in the book of Luke. It's Joseph's story in the first one. So when she's there, just so I can keep you straight and keep me straight, okay? So while she's there, while she's there, this angel appeared and said, you've been highly favored among all women. And the, and the highest has chosen you. And you're going to bring forth the son. And his name is going to be called Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. Now think about this for a moment. Wow. God has chosen me to bring forth the son of God. This is so foreign. And think about what God says to her, what she's thinking. She looks at the angels. She said, how shall this be seen? I really don't know a man. And the angel says, and the highest will overshadow you. And that which will be conceived of you will be the son. And this is what the word said. It will be the son of God. I'm putting God on the inside of you. God is going to dwell on the inside of you. You're going to birth a move of God. You're going to birth the Son of God. You've got to think about this story, how challenging that will be. Everything about Christmas is about faith. Everything that we do is about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I've got this idea, when did she conceive? When did Mary conceive this move? Because at that moment, she had to make a decision. She could have rejected it, or she could have embraced it. But she chose to embrace it. And this is what she said. Be it unto me according to thy word. I believe that that was that very moment that she conceived. The moment she said, yes, Lord. I don't understand how everything is going to work. I don't understand everything around me. But I believe that you have spoke to me and I receive it. And the Lord gave her a sign. Your cousin Elizabeth has conceived as well. And she's six months into the pregnancy. And immediately she runs to Elizabeth. And when she runs to Elizabeth's house, the babe leaped within her womb. God gave her a sign to show her what was going on really on the inside of her. And sometimes we're missing the signs. So she had to embrace it by faith. Let me push back into this year a little bit. It's interesting to me. Very interesting. I believe it was this year. Was this the year that the Asbury, Asbury revival broke loose? Wasn't it earlier in the year? Right? Now think about this for a moment. In a Christian school, a Methodist college, one that's been around for a while, a group of young people that have come pursuing and seeking the face of God, all of a sudden has a visitation. And the whole world got to hear about what was happening at Asbury. And everybody began to scream and shout, it's here. But it's not sustained. Six months into the future, we've got something else going on among our young people. 
We've got them marching in the streets all over the nation and all over the world protesting what is happening in Israel and being, and being, uh, being pr- uh, totally against what Israel is doing with Hamas. And now they are protesting in the streets, but now they are being trained and taught to another system. Better pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Miss Adrian here has been a champion at going towards our library and working very hard, along with many others. But she's just a voice in our house that's been doing that. And she's going after the pornography and everything that is what in the, in the, in the libraries that will be invested or instilled into the generation. It's interesting. I don't know if you saw her post uh, of a of a of a leader of, that put his hands on a uh, that was sworn into the office with the material that she's trying to exit, and what he is saying is simply this: I pledge to invest into a generation this, so they don't know who they are. Pastor, how you're tying all this? Hang with me. We got to go back to Old Testament again. When you go into the book of Daniel, there's this great prophecy of Daniel. But how did Daniel bring that great prophecy about? Because he's been taken captive, him and another number of other choice young men and women. And this is what the Bible said. They were taken captive, pulled out of their homeland, and they were brought to the, to the ruler of that, of that nation. And this is what they did. They began to feed them. They began to change their identity. And they began to, they began to teach them the ways of the Babylonians to try to turn a generation. But thank God Daniel realized something in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because young people, listen to me. Although the world is pushing on you with everything you got. We need a generation of young people that says, you know what? They may try it, but I'm going to stand for that which is right, that which is holy. And I refuse to be anything else but what God tells me to be. Oh, Jesus, help me get this out right, Lord. So this generation, this generation if we're not careful, has to make a decision. And we have to make a decision to go along with it. So Mary makes the decision. She's going to carry this child. Thank the Lord. And so the scripture goes on in chapter 2. It begins to tell us the story of the wise men. Now the wise men... Jesus evidently has been born. So the scripture says in chapter 2 of Matthew, I believe it is, I want to make sure I'm in the right book. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that was born king of the Jews? Now, let's catch a picture. These wise men are also known as magi. It's obvious, some people say, that they were, they were astrologers. 
Some people say they were priests. Some just been a few different details about who these guys were. But it's obvious that they had an understanding of Scripture. That they had an understanding of what we would say Scripture of the day, of the words of the prophets, of the Torah, because they understood that prophesied that a Savior, a King, would be born. They knew that, but they're watching the sky. Pay attention. Remember from Genesis 1, he said this on the fourth day, I'm putting the sun, the moon, and the stars in the sky to be for signs, for seasons, and times. So sometimes what we think is astrology in the bad way in our day, they was using it to govern themselves through the different feasts, through the different periods of life, through everything by watching what was going on in the heavens, by the stars, by the moon, by the sun. Some of you do it and you don't even realize it. I was talking to somebody the other day about hunting. I said, didn't you hunt? He said, no, the moon wasn't right. Well, maybe that's what happened. I wasn't paying attention to what the moon was doing when I went because I never killed anything. I didn't go this year. That's been a long time ago. Sometime even we as fishermen, we'll look at the old farmer's almanac. How many of you ever done that? My, my older people in the room that know what it is. How many knows what the farmer's almanac is? Yeah, a lot of you do. Sometimes you plant your gardens, you, you do certain things because you've went through the, and it says, this is the best time for me to do it. Even fishing at this time of day, between three and five, I got a two hour window. I wish my dad had read that. He would get me up at four o'clock in the morning to be on the lake before daylight. And we're sitting out there catching nothing. And then, then as we're catching nothing, and he knew we were already wore out, he'd say stuff like this. Well, they didn't start biting to 9 o'clock yesterday. I'm thinking, why are we out here at 5 in the morning then? So you don't even realize some of the practices that we've been under. But they were signs. They were directives for you. They, they were pointing out something for you. So here these wise men see a sign. There was a star in the heaven. Some say the star was nothing more than the planets that were aligned in a perfect alignment at that moment that caused the brightness in the sky. Others said it was a supernatural work of the Lord that began to, uh, you know, that was placed in the sky for them as a sign to know it was the king star. And so they began to make their way towards Bethlehem. Now, History shows of some of these guys, this was an 800-mile trip. It's taken them two years to get there. How do you know that? Because when Herod was going to destroy the children, he started at two years and younger. Because he was thinking, wait a minute, when did you first see this? When did this... When did this happen? How, how long? And, and so I believe it's an indication that for two years, period of time is here. They know something has happened. But here's the thing that they did. They began to make their way towards the future. 
and the hope of Israel. They begin to make their way for it. Sometimes, church, we got to start making our way towards it, not waiting upon it. Many of us, I'm waiting on God to do something, and God's saying, no, I'm waiting for you to get in position. I'm waiting for you to get where I'm at so I can release what I want to do on the earth. So here they come. I'm just telling you things I've read. You got, I know I've got a lot of fact checkers in the room. Go check the stuff out. You're going to find different details of it all in different places. So they make their way towards here. And when they get there, the star is over the city. But they don't know where he's at. I got an idea. They don't even really know what they're looking for other than they know that a child, a king, has been born. And so when they get there, they have to stop by here. What are you guys doing in town now? The whole town has watched these three wise men. I think we got the stories over our years. Every time we do a play, we always bring the wise men in. We always bring the shepherds in. I got an idea there were probably more than three. And I got an idea that when they looked out over the walls of the city and looked at what was coming, there was a whole, I'm going to call it like this, there was a whole train of these people coming because they didn't travel by themselves. If they've traveled all this far and it's going to take them all this amount of time to get there, then they no doubt brought their families with them. They got donkeys, they got, they got camels, they got sheep. They're making their way. And when the people of, Israel, of Jerusalem look out and see this, especially the leaders, what are you guys coming for? Why are you invading this place? And so they get there. And they asked Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. I think we, in one sense, as the present generation need to look. We need to look further than what we've ever seen. We need to look beyond the present. And I want to say to my younger folks that are in the room from our children all the way through that we need to start looking and realizing maybe, maybe my time has come. Maybe my time is here. Maybe it is my time to rise up and embrace everything that God wants me to do and be. We've seen his star. They say, where is he born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the sky. We've come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and also all of Jerusalem. And when it's talking about all of Jerusalem, it was talking about the leaders. Wasn't talking about all the people, but the leaders were. Because why? And here's, here's an interesting note. Jesus didn't come to mess with Herod. He come to touch the people that would overthrow Herod. He came for mankind. Well, you, you, you know, there is such a move of God right now. And, and I believe especially everywhere in a battle like we have never seen. I don't know why this is coming to my mind at this moment. But I want to talk about this thing with Israel a moment because of the, of the protests. Remember, I talked about Asbury and I talked about the, about the things that are going on in the streets, the protests against, uh, against Israel because, and this is what you hear, but look at all the children, look at all the innocent that are being killed. Yes, war does do bad things to innocent people. This is more than a war between Hamas and Israel, or Israel and Hamas. 
It is a war between God and the powers of darkness. I, I believe it with all my heart. A few weeks ago, one of our major Christian leaders, I'll leave him nameless at the moment so that in case I get the story wrong, he's not blamed or anything like I just got the story wrong, but I think I'm pretty right. He was sharing that after all this happened and went into the first month, went into the first month of, of, of the battle and everybody, the world began to look and see all the, you know, people of, 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 of Palestine, of Gaza that was being that was being killed, a number of tragedies that were happening, that Israel invited, invited uh, 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 what do you call, media people from all over the world to come in. And they wanted to show them firsthand footage and give to them the testimonies uh, that they had found or the, uh, you know, the truth of what had been done through Hamas and show them the footage of videos, of hours of video that they had filmed and from the accounts that had been told to them of the people that had watched the horrendous things happen among their families and among their people. One of those, Hamas entered into a house of a family with a couple small children. And the first thing they did was put out the eyes of the father. They put out his eyes. And then the second thing they did, they took the mom in front of the children and raped her. And then they cut off her breast and watched her bleed out in front of her children. And then they took one of the children, they cut off his arms and left him there. And then, I, I think they left, only left one to tell the story. Then they took a baby and beheaded it. And all of this stuff, why does all of this stuff happen? I go, this is what, what the enemy really, really wants to do. I, I, really, I, I really believe it all my heart that he wants to put so much fear and he wants to put, what is the word? I, I wish I could find the right word. He wants trauma. He wants to put so much trauma into the generation that they are afraid to do anything to know who they really are and how to move in this present time to be everything they, they are called to be. Boy, the enemy is so strategic. And Herod decided at that moment, we're troubled. And he speaks a lie and he said, I want to come and worship him too. So when you find, find him, come to me. Well, let's go back to the wise men. So when they come, they bring gifts of gold and they bring gifts of frankincense and myrrh. And I've heard this preached all my life that the gold and the frankincense and myrrh was for his death, burial, and resurrection. But maybe there's something deeper there as I was pressing into this because I think details, there's nothing in the scripture that's not detailed. Everything has a significance. So when they brought gold and they found him, because the Bible said that eventually the star moved right over where he was. And they found him. And the first thing they did was bring him gold. So what did they do? They began to identify him. That's what they were doing. They were, when the moment they came, they are identifying, you are the one that was prophesied. You are the generation. You are the hope of Israel. You are the hope of the world. You are the one. They begin to give him identity. 
Not after he was named. Yeah, he's been there. Now, he was given, he was called by God, Jesus. We know that. He was called, his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. But they were only confirming more the generation, the hope of Israel. Because they would, in that period of time, where they came from, they came from the east, gold was, in, was a plenty. And gold would have been in the houses of rulers and of kings. And so when they brought him gold, they were identifying him. You're the king. You're a ruler. You're the hope of the nation. Then they brought him frankincense. Now in pagan worship, in pagan worship, frankincense was used as well. And the people would bring it in and offer it as an incense. Unto the God that they were worshiping. And here's the whole thing. Hoping that as they would offer this sweet incense under their God, that he would shine favor upon them and he would show them well-being. I believe that when these magi coming in, they weren't offering this to a pagan God. They were offering this to the king of kings. And this is what they were declaring. You have the ability to bring hope. You have the ability to bring blessing. You have the ability to bring goodwill into the earth. And then they brought myrrh. Most of us again think of his death and burial and resurrection. But think about this for a moment. As I read and done some research on what the myrrh was. Myrrh was a healing agent. They would use it for all kinds of, of issues. It was a painkiller. I think at one part it was offered when Jesus was on the cross. Uh, what was it? Wine mingled with myrrh. It was there to offer to be a painkiller. It was a healing agent. I believe that when they brought that was to Jesus, I, I believe they were saying, you have healing among you. You can bring hope and you can bring healing to the brokenhearted, to the bruised, the broken, the shattered. You can do this. And they offered it before him. And then there's what the Bible said. Being warned of God in a dream, that they left and went another way. Worship team, come and get your spot with me this morning, would you? I hope this is making sense to you this morning as the Lord has put in my heart. I believe that our future is bright. I believe that faith has to be for all of us. That we've got to press into our future. And at the same time, our future has to reach back and embrace what the past has held for them. And we've got to, as parents and grandparents in this room, oh, I love seeing them up here doing this. But my Bible said that there's a generation that's going to come, that's going to be strong and do exploits. That doesn't mean you and I are left out. But it does mean, matter of fact, in one place it says in Psalms 10, I can't think of the chapter. I think it's 107, but I'll probably get it wrong. So let's leave it off. It said, and all of this was for a generation to come. I'm telling you, our future is bright. My future is setting in here. What's going to happen 
to overthrow darkness, I believe, is setting in here. When Abraham went to the mountain to offer Isaac up as a sacrifice, I believe it was a, was a picture really of Christ going to the cross. And here, here's what he said after Isaac was laid upon the altar and, Mo, and, and Abram was getting ready, Abraham was getting ready to drop the knife. God grabs his arm and says, no. Now I know. Now I know that you will follow me. Now I know you will honor me. Now I know you will serve me. But he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to let him go because your seed is going to deal with the enemy in the gates. I believe a generation of young people sitting in this room, you're going to do far more than what we could ever imagine. You may not understand it. You may not know what it's all about, but what God, I believe, is asking of us this morning, I believe He's asking for these young people to say, yes, God. You know, I'm troubled by something. I have to be honest. I've done this a long time. And when I was a teenager and I was a young man like that and like some of these young people in here, me and my wife, one of the things that drew us together, it wasn't because I was so handsome that she wanted me, but, uh, but one of the things that really drew us together, both of us had a passion for God. Probably among all the young people in our church at that moment was our passion for God. And I remember being from the time of that young man and when I was my granddaughter's age of many times walking to the church ahead of my family and spend many, many hours really seriously in prayer, crying out to God as a young man looking, Lord, I want you. I, that's all I knew. I remember being called when I was a young child and I, I remember different young people in my home church, my home church that would say, I feel like God has called me for a purpose. I feel like I'm called for a purpose. You know what bothers me? I don't hear a generation saying that no more. I don't hear it. I, I don't hear it. So it's telling me one or two things. Either we're, we're that close, Pastor, to the coming of the Lord. And another generation isn't needed. Or we as a generation hasn't pressed into our future. To say you're called by the purpose of God. You're called for exploits. This is who you really are. I believe the enemy has so strategically messed up the world and messed up even the church that we've involved ourselves in so many things that we're taking on so many identities that when God speaks to us, even as young people, it's hard for us to discern who we really are. But God sent a baby to change the world. God sent a baby to change the whole world. Come on in, Miss Noel. Bring them on in, whoever's back there. I've asked them to come. How many, how many people do I have in this room that's under the age of 33? Let me see your hand. You're 33 of age. Would y'all stand? All of you that are under 33, 33 and under, stand. I've got a reason for using 33. Will y'all help me this morning? Could I get all of you to come this way? All of you that are 33, come and under, come this way. Bring it, just bring them on down the aisle this way. Just come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Just line, just, just gang up up here. 
Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Thank you, Lord. Recent, I said 33. Don't anybody be offended if you're older. This is when Jesus really started fulfilling his purpose. And in three years, he changed the future. In a span of three years, every, even what we're about was affected. Y'all come on in this way. Y'all too far away from me. Come on over here. Get, 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 get in here. Get in here. Y'all come up here. Come up, come up. I hear a lot. I hear it in church. I see it on Facebook. I hear it from a lot of people. And this is what they say. Our world is going to go to hell in a handbasket. I'm, I'm daring to say you're looking at the wrong thing if you're saying that. Because this is our future. Wait a minute, you're not 33. <laughs> Miss Debbie slipped in here. This is our future. No, I'm going to say it even different. This is our present. And you're being groomed right now to lead everything that we've ever dreamed about. It's right here. I ask a lot of even our students that come in, ask, what do you want to be? We start asking kids when they're real little, we ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some of them say, I want to be an NBA player. What do you want to be? A ninja? I got a ninja up here. You want to be what? A singer. Man, that's an awesome. What? You want to be a firefighter? Oh, my goodness. Your dad? Oh, wow. What? Yeah, you got a fire engine on your truck. See, we start asking them, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? Nothing wrong with being a firefighter. Nothing wrong with being a singer. I don't know if there's a trade for a ninja, but <laughs> nothing wrong, but I know I got an engineer up here. I know I got former military here. I know I got teachers here. I know I've got a therapist here, physical therapist. What? Somebody say something over here. What do you want to be? What? A doctor. Oh, man. That's your kid said that. She's getting ready to make you money. What? Wait, one at a time. What do you want to be? A pastor. Is that what you said? Lord bless her. You might need you a ninja, so find one around you. No, just who? What? What do you want to be, sweet girl? A what? A veterinarian. What about you, buddy? A cop. You want to protect people, don't you? Wow, that's so good. But can I tell you who you really are? If you become that, that's wonderful. But who you really are? Beyond that, before your mama and daddy ever knew who you were, 
you were God's plan. And you were God's heart. And you were created and fashioned for God and His presence. And you were fashioned to lead everything that goes on on the earth. You were made that way. Now your mom and daddy gave you a name. But God gave you a name. And God calls you. He may call you prophet. He may call you teacher. He may call you worshiper. He may call you many things. But I want to tell you something. Got to be careful how I say it. Because I don't want to put fear anywhere. But the enemy also wants to name you. And he does that by hurting us. Disappointing us. Wounding us getting us to get our eyes on the world and everything that's unjust and not right. But you are more of God than you are even of your own parents. You're God's. And you're our future. For all of us that are sitting back here, you're our future. And we want the very best for you. And so this is what I want to do. I'm going to ask you parents and grandparents to help me this morning. I don't care who you touch. I don't care maybe if you want to come and get with your child or grandchild. That'd be awesome. But I want us to bless this generation. And I want us to bless these young people. I want to ask you something, all of you. If Jesus asked you to do something great for him, would you do it? Would you? You really would? These are speaking louder than these. Would y'all really do it? Because he is asking you. But you know what? You have to do it. You have to embrace it. You have to do it now and say, God, whatever you want of me, whatever you want to do with me and through me, I'm willing. I'll be whatever you want me to be. Can you guys do that this morning with me? Matter of fact, I, I, I just want you to hold your hands out like this. And I want you to say, God, say it with me. God, I'm willing to be everything that you have called me to be. I'm yours, Lord. You created me. You made me. And you've given me a great future. So by faith, God, I believe and I receive what you made me for, what you desire of me. I will live for you, Jesus. I'll do it, Lord. Now, this is what I want from the rest of you. You're going to have to move. You can't do it sitting down. But I want you to get up here and I want you to begin to just bless these kids. I just And these young people, these young adults, they're not kids. Just begin to bless them in their call, in their walk. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, we act like we don't know what we're doing. Come on, we know what we're doing. Come on, we're going to bless them. Get up in front of them. Walk among them. Guys, would y'all lift something up? Turn it.